Hey, Jonathan, good to see you again. Good to be back in the studio. Back in the studio. We got a great show for you today. Hey, welcome to the Ordinary Radical Podcast. A podcast where we try to talk about what, Jonathan? Leadership, discipleship, and mission. And mission. That's good. Man, we got a good one for you today. And I, I want to start with a with a conversation that uh, has come across my desk. Had a, a worship pastor that that I saw, and and the worship pastor um, was struggling with his senior pastor. Come to find out that uh, the senior pastor picks all of his music for him, picks all the worship pastor's songs. The worship pastor is not allowed to ask questions; just sing what I give you. And so he's struggling because he's feels like he's not living to his potential. He's in a church where he's not uh, allowed to be the minister that God's called him to be. And, you know, depending on what your worship person is, this guy is a worship pastor. He's he's a, a pastoral role. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, what do you think whenever I even tell you that? Because you are a worship pastor and I've been a worship pastor as well. What, what do you think? Would you have... How would you have felt if if the if the lead pastor picked all your music for you? Yeah, I think that's a fine line, right? You know, it's not like black and white. I think it's pretty gray. Um, for me, it sounds like the pastor is a control freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, why is he a control freak? I think that's the fundamental questions we need to ask. You know, as a biblical counselor, you know, working at Rainy Grace Counseling, we kind of run into this as well. Not maybe at a pastor, but like husbands, you know, you know, where the husband um, looks at every single financial um, transaction that happens, like even like, okay, why did you buy this at Target? You know, why did you go eat out? Or I need to see your text message. I need to look at all the phone calls and emails and everything. And, um, you know, that's a fine line too, is it black and white? You know, for me, if I hear that, I'm just like, Oh, the husband sounds like a control freak, you right. know? But I think really deep down in the heart of the issue here, I think it's the issue of pride versus humility and leadership. Yeah. Pride versus humility and leadership. That's that's where we're going to go uh, today. And look, you may be coming from a lot of different spaces. Um, maybe you're in a church where you are under a, a leader and maybe you don't want to use the word pride, but they are definitely control freaks as, as, as Jonathan just said. And we're going to say some arrogance sneaks in, in those ways. And you can see it manifest, right? Uh, or some people are in a marriage like that, like you just said, or some of you, uh, maybe you are that person. And there's something about letting others have control that just makes you feel uncomfortable. You'd rather do it all yourself. And guess what? You're going to kill yourself in ministry because it's impossible. Mm -hmm. yeah so i think even in marriage as well you know like husband and wife you know there's sense there is a leader right there's a spiritual leader that god places and and that's the man who leads uh but it's kind of it takes two to make a team right and uh you know maybe we heard words like authoritarian leaders like this Mm -hmm. and i think the mentality comes to my mind it's like they're the king of the hill Mm -hmm. or they're the ceo of the home and, um, 
yeah, you know, we can't do it on our own. And there has to be a balance of communication, balance of delegation, if you would, in the, you know, structure of a language of leadership. But, but yeah, there's significant, it's not a blacking white, but it's kind of gray area that we need to talk about. And I think at the heart of the problem, which is really the problem of the heart, it is the prideful heart that we're trying to kind of get to in this case. Okay. Yeah. And I think that pride is, is huge. Um, in, in ministry, especially, I have also seen some people get to this spot where they're sort of control freaks um, out of hurt as well. So I do want to name that. You know, I'm reminded of a guy who was a pastor, well-loved, but so many people let him down in his ministry that he started taking over one thing at a time. And before he knew it, he was controlling everything. And there's definitely some arrogance that's built into that, but also some of his experiences of hurt have have made him rely on himself. And that's a lot of what arrogance is. The, the, the desire to rely on yourself over others because you think you know better than others. You think you're more able than others. Um, in fact, we should probably define this. When we're talking about arrogance or pride, what are some of the characteristics and things that we might see in a leader or a person like this? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, there, there could be so many different directions to go here. But like, I think the secular world would call like definition of narcissism. Uh, narcissism. So I'm looking at the, you know, definition of DSM-5, which is, you know, um, narcissistic personality disorder, a disorder which person has inflated sense of self-importance. Okay. You know, so I think in that sense, like, you know, let's let's use biblical terms like Proverbs 21, 24, a scoffer in the name of the arrogant. We use the word arrogant right there. Mm-hmm. Haughty man who acts with the arrogant pride. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a sense of elevation of self, mm-hmm. right? And their way, my way or the highway. And, um, and, and that could be disguised even in a ministry setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, even maybe a pastor or maybe even as a husband or even as a father or even in your workplace. Maybe you have people uh, who have some of those, you know, if you would, in the biblical language, Proverbs 21, haughty heart. And it can come in, um, <laughs> in a lot of problems, right? Because an arrogant person might even use manipulation to get what they want. Um, and they may not even realize that they're manipulating or they may justify that they manipulate. Uh, I heard a story recently of a diff- of a pastor um, and it was coming from a, of a, a worship guy. The worship guy said, the, this is what the pastor told him. He said, God wants you to come to my church. And if you don't come to my church, you know that what God will do to you. And the, and the guy's like, He's, he's sitting there struggling, like praying about this. Am I supposed to go to this church? I don't want God to do something bad to me because a pastor told him something bad's going to happen to you if you don't come to uh, work with me. And right. And so in that kind of the de- like that's what we're talking about. That's manipulative. It's self-centered. Um, anytime we start to think that that ministry only happens within the four walls of the building that we associate with our church, we have a huge, huge problem because ministry exists everywhere and other pastors matter too, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, again, I think prideful people, which arrogant leaders and, you know, people who my way or the highway, who are control freaks, they are master manipulators. Yeah. And they're just good at 
you know, switching a situation. So what are some characteristics, if you would know, you know, yeah. just kind of yeah. markers of a prideful heart? I'm going to utilize, uh, he was my professor, Dr. Stuart Scott, who is a professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's a book called Pride and Humility. So let me just read some lists of the prideful heart that you would maybe notice or see, just some diagnostic questions or even characteristics we see. A prideful heart of a person has a lack of gratitude in general. They may complain because they think they deserve better. Uh, a prideful heart, uh, they have they struggle with anger. A proud person is often an angry person. A person most often becomes angry because his rights or expectation are not met. They have an inflated view of the importance of gifts and abilities. They are the legend in their minds, but what they need is a loving dose of reality. They're defensive or they blame shift. You know, you would notice, uh, you often hear prideful people say, are you saying it's my fault? Do you see the master manipulator? Um, there's also a sense of lack of asking forgiveness. Prideful people rarely admit their sin or ask for forgiveness from one another's. And they love to maximize others' sin and their shortcoming. Prideful people, uh, they detest of being told what to do. And they, prideful people, they, um, other people are the problem and they themselves are never the problem. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like the kind of person you want to be in ministry with? No, I don't think so. <laughs> the anger alone, the anger alone is something, you know, a, 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 an angry person uh, pride comes before the fall, doesn't it? Anger is going to lead people to make really, really bad decisions and hurt people. Arrogant pastors will hurt people eventually. You know, there's a lot of church hurt. And a lot of it has come from being under the leadership of someone that's prideful. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Again, when we talk about pride, mm -hmm. it is a sin issue, right? I think about James 4, 6, it says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. Right. My goodness. This is, if you would, you know, just like Satan fell from heaven, Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And it was because he was puffed up with pride. Right. I think about John 1, 16. It says, Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. I mean, Jesus is grace, but he says to the prideful heart, mm. I will not outstretch my hand. Lord, have mercy. Lord, humble our hearts. You know, I think, um, you know, what, what it's a sin issue and what happens with prideful leaders, arrogant leaders, the haughty heart, what they do, they, I see several things. They hide their sin, they minimize their sin, they justify their sin, and they rationalize their sins. So I see this like in marriages, where they say, you know, it's, you know, if you would in the kind of language of our everyday language, they gaslight conversations so they make the spouse look crazy and the wife feels like what's going on with me i want to submit i want to follow the leadership here but it seems wrong and they they will exaggerate the narrative i was like well because you did this because you said this because you xyz that's the reason you're here today and it's all your fault mm. if you will let's take it to the new testament pharisees were really good at that mm, yeah. and pharisees of the prime examples who cared so much about themselves and they were really good at pointing fingers and justifying their own self-righteousness right yeah yeah and in ministry um if you can't it if you can't admit fault if you can't admit 
um, the need uh, to change, you just won't have the growth that God wants for you. You'll be stuck, right? Um, but, you know, we some ministries have allowed pastors in positions where they are incredibly prideful. And in these pastors, they can are considered visionaries. And uh, people will point to certain things and they'll say, look, here's like the proof in the pudding. Like here is the the here is the example of that they're supposed to be what they're doing, doing what they're doing and where they're going to be. And they're going to tell you, look, our church has grown. We have bigger, more numbers. They're going to say, look, our, our budget's bigger or we have more money coming in. Uh, a prideful person loves numbers like that. A prideful person hates numbers like how many people are we discipling to Jesus? How many hearts are we seeing changed? Uh, a prideful person relies on uh, the numbers game, and it can become a big problem. Don't you think? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's kind of turn the coin the other side. So we saw the characteristic of pride. Let's look at humility, a humble heart. Um, a humble heart of a leader focuses on Jesus. Throughout the day, they talk and worship and uh, Jesus, Jesus alone. Uh, a humble person uh, prays a lot uh, because they see themselves very needy. Uh, they pray and ask the Lord uh, for help. I think a humble person is a good listener uh, because humble people consider others better than themselves, kind of like Philippians too, right? Uh uh, others is more important than what they have to say. Um, they're quick admitting when they're wrong. Humble people, uh, they have no problem saying, you know, I was wrong. You are right. Thank you for telling me. And there's a quickness in granting forgiveness to others. Humble people are eager to forgive because they know how much they themselves have been forgiven. That's a drastic black and white even though it's gray, as we talked about the issue with the pastor picking all the music or the husband who checks every transaction or looks at every text and everything. Right, because there's a certain sense of discernment. All of us should have discernment and be active. But there is a time when you it's just too much. It's black and white, right? And and with the humility, with humility comes a lot of the other even spiritual gifts and things. You know, uh, we expect those people to be kind and encouraging. We expect those people to be life-giving, to to be the kind of pastors that um, are willing to give up. You know, one thing I see, I I had a, someone come up to me because I had someone preach for me a few weeks back. And Jonathan, you recently preached for me. <laughs> um, and I just see the value, one, in having younger pastors come in and preach. And then second, having an awesome person like you come in and preach. But the, but the, the guy came up and he said, I've never heard someone like you that allows these younger generations preach because they always want to control their pulpit. They always want to be the one there. They always, but it's, it's an act of humility. I hope on my part, it's an act of humility to, to let them, uh, to let them have their own failings, to let them have their own experience and to let them do it in a loving atmosphere, like the church that we have here at, uh, at remix. Um, it's, it's, it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial to the growth of in, in the next generation you know there, there's a i worry that, that there has been a, a stunted generation of pastors because they were all many of them were under other pastors that wouldn't let them ever take the reins and say a word you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh and that's why we have more churches we have more openings in churches than pastors to fill them mm-hmm. that's probably part of it and i think the million dollar question uh 
today, or as you're listening to the podcast, is how can we deal with prideful pastors? Yeah. So if you're underneath that person, yeah. How do we? What do we do with that? Yeah. So my goodness, um, I kind of struggle thinking through that and just kind of praying over it. But I would say first and foremost, um, the cure to it is actually repentance. And repentance, it's part of kind of like the byproduct of the gospel. And because if we truly believe the gospel and we accept that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and we're following after him, I think the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, right? Uh, that's going to be evident as in our progressive sanctification as we're walking with the Lord. I would maybe even have the audacity to say, if you would, is sometimes maybe some of these pastors were never saved. Wow. I would even say, you know, as I do marriage counseling as a biblical counselor, I would say maybe your husband is not saved at all. Okay. And they're shocked. I say, are you saying he went to church all his life? He went to Bible college. Right. He got licensed in ministry. He's a deacon. And none of those things actually makes you a Christian. That's true. Yeah. And in the place of a pastor, the role of a pastor is a, it can be seen as a, a power role. And if you crave being seen, if you crave that, that's a great spot for an arrogant person to find their way. It, it, even if they don't love Jesus, maybe they're just a good speaker. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, possibly. So, so I would say begin with the gospel. Begin with the gospel. You know, the 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 beauty and the majesty and the magnificence, the almighty power of the good news of the gospel of Jesus, and start there, and then. And then I would say you're looking for true biblical repentance. And you know, repeated apology is not repentance, right? right? I mean, I, I deal with that with husband and wives. I, I said I was sorry. I said I'm sorry. Yeah. Why, why can't? Well, you know, it's not just words. It's it's not just with our heads, but our hearts are truly broken, okay. right? Like there's a sense of real mourning, not because you got caught, but there's a sense like, my goodness, I sinned against not just my spouse or my friend or my colleague, but it's sinned against God. But that follows along with not just head, heart, but our hands, our course of life. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. I mean, there's only one person who's perfect. That's Jesus. And that would be unrealistic to put people in the center of Jesus. But there's going to be an ongoing growth that, that they start bearing the fruit. And, you know, you and I know, like, I think I talked about this in one podcast. Like, we cannot expect people to change overnight, right? Just like... People give their life to Jesus and they are justified, regenerate, adopted into the kingdom of light. But my goodness, there's a side that we are continuing growing with Jesus. I, I hope I'm growing every day more like Jesus, you know, and I'm right. continuing growing humility. Not the other way around. Every day with Jesus is better than the day before. So for me, I think the cure for the pastor is sense of not lording over, but a sense of a heart of restoration and the heart of the gospel and peacemaking that we walk alongside of these brothers and help them to see genuine repentance. If not, then there will be other consequences that will follow along with that. But but again, you know, we got to be very careful here because we don't want to come with a critical heart, which is so easy to breed over. Bitterness, Bitterness Hebrews 12, 15, right? Yeah. And that too, just like James 4, 6, they fall short of the glory of uh, God's grace because root of bitterness is taken. And it says there in verse 15, and it's taken many down. So. 
bitterness is in the church too. Maybe the pastor who is control freak, who's a prideful pastor, has been caught up in bitterness. I would say go through biblical counseling, you know, because you said church hurt, you know, and 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 sometimes pastors need help too. They're not Jesus. Let's not make them Jesus. Let's not put them in that pedestal. That's only kept for King Jesus. And that's on us. Um, but walk alongside like as a brother in Christ, you know, try to help that pastor if he does have some of these characteristics. But if you speak truth and love, they will. If if they're genuine, born again, Holy Spirit, heart of the flesh is there, uh, they will walk in repentance. We we know that biblically. Uh, so that I would say that's a cure as you help pastors or husbands or fathers or co-workers um, to lead them uh, through scripture, uh, begin to see that change. But sometimes there is a uh, a strong um, a blind spot. So I love, I love that. I love start with Jesus. And I think even continuing to the life of Jesus, because Jesus said he didn't come to be served, but to serve. Jesus he exemplified humility. Um, you know, what he did on the cross following the will of the Father, that is the most humble act. Uh, to be born, to the, the, you know, the, the hypostatic union, union and all that, that's such, our God is so amazing, right? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you another thought here. Maybe to help your pastor or your person to see that, um, that their arrogance is not helping is, is to even go to the pragmatic way. Okay. Because pragmatically, listen, a, a pastor who, who delegates, it's going to be healthier. You know, you're going to, you're going to be pulling your hair out or for the two of us, it's hard since we don't have much <laughs> um, to, to delegate. And I think of like Moses, you know, Moses felt this really strong calling and he's leading the people. But you remember what happened with Jethro. Moses is killing himself because uh, he's trying to judge all the people and everything that's going on. And that's just not the role of a pastor. Um, you need to use your deacons. You need to use others. So maybe a bit of pragmatism talking to um, a pastor very honestly and saying, hey, this is... Uh, this is something I'm seeing in your life and I love you and I want the best for you. And, you know, like Jethro told Moses, you need to, you need to delegate some things out. You need some leaders underneath you. It's going to make you a stronger person. So maybe that might be another angle. Of course, Jesus first. Yeah. Jesus always Jesus first, but yeah. 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 You know, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. You know, yeah. Brian, I think, um, you know, we, that's the community of the saints. The local church comes together. We are better together, right? Better together, yeah. And um, and that's that's the reason, you know, I think Christianity is not a solo sports or a spectator sports. You know, I kind of preached on that today. Um, that that he has called us, you know, first Peter chapter two talked about we are the you know, the building of the stone and being built together, living stones, as Christ is the cornerstone, he is the living stone. I think it helps us to understand that. You know, even pastors are part of that kind of brick of it, right? And Jesus is the chief shepherd, chief pastor that we're looking to and helping that, hey, you know, it's okay when we delegate. It's okay to have guardrails like that, um, you know, because you do want to kind of protect the pulpit in a sense. You don't want to just kind of baptism by fire and throw anybody in there. But, you know, we do have to, you know, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, you know, we need relationships we need accountability we need authenticity we need to delegate our task um 
and to encourage in that sense and and to move towards more Christ-likeness together, right? Uh, because we need that in our own personal leadership growth and in also the church leadership. Um, so, so yeah, and husbands need that reminder as mm-hmm. well. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, they don't want accountability. They don't want to walk alongside with other men. You know, that's the reason men's ministry is so important, like in churches, because we want to get together and having these gospel conversations that's happening, but also the gospel is not just for lost people, gospel is for Christians as well. And and the essence of that, and they were spurring on one another, love of good deeds, helping them to, this is what it means to be a servant leader. This is what it means to be selfless. This is what it means to be humble like Christ was. And uh, having those conversations, you know, on on that level. And if that can't take place, then that's where we contact counselors to help who are trained in these areas, who are, you know, standing on God's word and scripture. Um, because sometimes it could get out of kind of, it could spiral so far, it gets so out of control. That's when you want to call on people and get some help, maybe perhaps, because it gets delicate and complicating. That's good. Yeah, a couple more thoughts that I think I'd like to go to. One being this, what about the person that is saying, hey, I am under this this leader, this toxic leader, and I'm trying to find my place and I'm just struggling for me. If you're that person, and I'll let Jonathan talk to this too, um, I was reminded of the story of of, uh, of Esther, because when I think of when I think of Esther, I think of um, Xerxes, I think of the king, and he is a prideful dude. This is a dude that tried to take a woman and make her dance, you know, make her you know, he you do whatever I tell you to do, and uh, and that led to if you know the story, led to uh, her being pushed away from him, him taking on a new wife, which happened to be uh, Esther, and. I love what it says, what God says to Esther, or what her uh, what her family member says, that maybe maybe you're in your place for such a time as this. I think that we have an obligation when we see um, arrogance ruining someone and ruining a ministry to, to speak into that and act into that. But we have to do it very wisely, mm-hmm. very wisely. Esther doesn't just go to the king and say, you're an absolute jerk and you need to change. She sees her moment and she seizes her moments, right? And we need to be very careful to do that as well. Um, you, you, we, and, and, and we got to make sure we don't act in pride when we're talking to someone who's prideful. Mm-hmm. And that can that can happen so quickly too. What do you want to say to that that person? Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm going to try to summarize this quickly. But you know, just for instance, like you know, I don't only give permission for my wife to speak truth and love to me. I encourage her to do that. She is obligated by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm out of line, she needs to speak, and I better have a heart to listen to it. And you know, one of the things I I joke with people, I was like, man, my my wife can do but i i see husbands who say you know you need to shut your mouth because i'm the head and i'm god in this home and you better not speak to me my wife would throw an elbow at me man I'm oh telling yeah you. <laughs> hey hey you know we deserve it don't we yeah, we're yeah, exactly. wicked fallen people yeah you know sometime though our hearts because we're we're so deceived by sin and we can get caught up i tell my wife not only permission but i encourage and i expect her to do so is that if I'm out of line, I say, you better bring somebody else into this conversation. Bring one or two. And then suddenly I would come to my senses. But I sure hope my wife wouldn't throw me 
before the deacon body or board and say, my husband is doing this. And then I'm brought before the whole church and I'm excommunicated. What I just explained is Matthew 18. But my wife would do it out of a heart of restoration, a heart of respect. Because she would do it because she recognized that uh, the authority of the home and the leadership, but because she loves Jesus more, because Christ is leader, that she would speak truth and love and not to take the victim mentality and try to deceive and gaslight and exaggerate the situation, if you would, like throwing fuel in the fire. But she would, in loving way, say, there, this, this can't continue on. We cannot continue on. Please, for the sake of the gospel and Christ and the home and our children, we need to change because Christ expects us to do. Does it make sense? That being said with the pastor as well, yes, we have to be careful how we do it because this could easily go in the wrong direction. Right. And that's the reason we have structures like Matthew 18 and we do it. Too often though, people do it with a critical heart and a hurtful heart. And people do it by, you know, to the point that they want to sh- drag down and uh, take down the whole ship. Uh, and that's messy. I've seen that over and over and over. And that, that too, the victim mentality of the person is taking a prideful heart. No, do it out of selflessness. Don't, don't be the master manipulator like the leader. Like, humble your heart. Do it, do it with a heart, with truth and God's conviction and grace. So often grace is out, outside of that. And that, that's not helpful. So, so again, I think like that, like we can change it. Also, can I just mention real quick that those who are going through such hardship under such, if you said the word toxic leader or a hard situation, don't make that define you. Does it make sense? Like you are not a victim. The Bible talks a whole lot of promises. I'm thinking about Naomi. Naomi, at one point, she said, just don't call me Naomi, call me more, which in Hebrew meant bitter. Well, I'm so glad Naomi's story didn't end there, which tells me the past could make you bitter or it could make you better. And so, so for me, I'm just, I just want to encourage, like, if you're in that situation, there's nothing new under the sun. First Corinthians 10, 13, it's common to man. So, you know, God is faithful. You know, he will make a way of escape for you. You're able to endure it. So hang in there, take the long road, be patient. Uh, as God has been patient with us, you know, and offer that grace, as God has given that grace to us, and we are to extend that to one another. Um, so, so enough of my preaching, but I, I just thought that was important to mention. That's good. Um, one last thought that I want us to think about is, what about for the person who has, they've gone the road, they've brought the people, like they've, they've went um, to the pastor in humility, or they've, and this pastor is just not going to change. They're prideful, and they're going to be prideful. Um, is there a, when? When do we tell this this other minister like, okay, you need to cut ties. You need to start looking for your next calling. Like, how do they know? That's how, what do you think about that? Whoo, that's tough because that makes me think about about ten years ago. Okay. Um, because you know I'm hearing that story and just sounded like my story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for the sake of unity and the sake of the gospel, I think it's okay to say goodbyes at times. I remember going through this and I was asking a denominational state convention leader 
what should I do? Mm-hmm. And they said, ah, you just can't change the situation. It's time for you to look. Right. And, you know, and that's where the Psalm says how pleasant it is when brothers unite in harmony. Right. And uh, you just got to wish the best and, you know, just say, hey, you know, we just had a disagreement and, you know, we went our separate ways. I think that's better than, you know, if you would, I think, a, I think a wise man told me like, be careful who you let on the ship because sometimes if they just can't be the captain, they're just willing to sink the whole ship down, oh, wow. you know? And, uh, so, so for me, I would say, don't, don't sink the ship down mm-hmm. with you. Like take the high road and, uh, and take the higher way. And I think that's Jesus would do. I don't know the timing exactly, Brandon, but like for me, it just kind of made it evident just holistically everything in the situation. Every situation is different. Every circumstance is different. Mm-hmm. So I can't really put myself in their shoes, but what I did because it, there, it was just unhealthy, it wasn't helpful. So I took the high, higher road and I left and resigned. And, and I think that was good, you know, and, and wanted to keep peace, wanted to t- take the way of highway of, love and unity and i think god's going to really honor that yeah i i really do you know it's kind of first peter 5 6 humble yourself under the mighty hand of god in due time he will exalt you mm-hmm. right so like like humble yourself don't try to puff your up puff yourself up and be the prideful person mm-hmm. like my way is the best way no don't do that like let jesus say psalm 46 lord you're my banner you're the you're my, you're the one i turn to um, you will win my battles and I'm surrendering it and God, it's in your hands. So but that's my take. I don't know about you. Yeah, man. I, I'm i with you. I got uh, one more thing, but it might be best to close with this. Um, so do you have anything else you want to add to this conversation? I don't know that's it. Okay, then. I, I, for the person that's listening and you're struggling, I, I want to remind you of the story of Paul. Because I think about Paul. Paul was a very... He had to be a very prideful man, right? Oh, yeah. Pharisee of Pharisees. Like he he was the, you know, uh, but whenever he came into contact with Jesus in a real and true way, he knew humility. He found humility and it changed him completely. So maybe you're working under that person that is that is Paul before uh, his encounter on the on the on the road there. Um, don't lose hope. I think I think anyone if God wants to, he can he can work in anyone's life and anyone's heart. So just just take take heart in that. Keep praying for your leaders. Keep praying, um, and just be really honest with yourself and your family. You know, and if at some point you're you're saying this ministry is tearing my family up, okay, let's start looking at something different. Maybe God's calling you elsewhere. Maybe God's using that relationship you have with the with the prideful person to move you on to a new uh, better chapter of your life exactly you know yeah. yeah go ahead yeah that's good um you know and also in those moments i would say like i think about what in first corinthians i believe um where paul says you know in my weakness you know like and he's talking about the thorn of the flesh right i mean he says please take it away but he didn't but he said god your strength is made evident <laughs> in my weakness and i, I think it's sometimes you know God allows us to go through hardship like that. And I would say, you know, in those moments, it's easy to be, you know, depressed and to be confined in self-pity. But self-pity is not the answer to your suffering, you know. And that's kind of like the oxymoron, like 
man meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So right. sovereignty focus rather than suffering focus. Um, you know, count it all joy, right? James 1. That when you go various trials of your faith. I, when I went through that about 10 years ago, I was an angry, contradicting pastor who did not practice what I was preaching. And that just made me way more depressed, way more anxious. So in your weakness, look to the Lord, kind of like Job, right? Naked I came from my mother's room, naked shall I return. He gives and takes away. I mean, God brought this difficulty in your life. So God is the one who brings good and bad, the sun and the rain. So the question is, are you going to sin in the midst of your suffering? Certainly not. Like, like so praise Jesus. Look to him, Colossians 3.16, right? Uh, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly and all wisdom and sing spiritual songs, hymns, and, like gratitude, grace in your heart. Um, so so lean to Christ in the midst of that like um, as well. And, and God will make it clear, it's not always a black and white. <laughs> We're going back to the original. It's not black and white, uh, but I do think God's word is sufficient to help you in the midst of all that in your weakness. Lean on him, trust him. Come back to the solid rock. Your suffering, actually, God strengthens you to your commitment to Him, and God does good through through those hardships. So, so, so lean lean on Jesus. Oh, really good. And don't forget that one day, if you're if you're not already, you may be a leader. So, uh, I think about you know, I I kind of grew up around a divorce culture, and I learned how not to be married. Learn how not to pastor. Whenever you're around a pastor like that too, right? Mm-hmm. Hey guys, we just we're thankful that you choose to listen to us. Uh, I hope that this this had been a little bit of help. I hope that uh, maybe you can uh, listen and learn and grow along with us. And sometimes we're just having these conversations, and in the back of our minds, we're thinking, "Yeah, we've been through that," <laughs> but we don't <laughs> talk about our own stories too much because you know there's people involved. Um, but yeah, thank you for for listening. And uh, Jonathan, how should we finish today? Yeah, uh, give us a five-star review, if you would, and uh, feel free to share this um, if it was helpful and beneficial to you as we think about pride and humility and leadership. Uh, so so again, uh, we'll bring more content here on Ordinary Radical Podcast. Um, hope you guys have a blessed week, and we'll be seeing you guys around. Ciao. You stole my line. <laughs> Ciao. Bye.